It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And it's a, a 1989 tribute to the great world champions, the Oakland Athletics, and some of their main players. You're going to hear from Hall of Famer Dennis Eckersley. You're going to hear from Dave Stewart, A's Hall of Famer. You're going to hear from Terry Steinbach and Walt Weiss as we're going to pay tribute to one of the great teams in the history of the game. But we'll start with the Hall of Famer, who was voted in in 2004. He's a World Series champion. He's a six-time All-Star, American League MVP, and American League Cy Young Award winner in 1992, ALCS MVP in 1988, two-time AL Rollades Relief Man of the Year, two-time MLB Saves Leader, pitched a no-hitter with Ray Fossey back May 30th, 1977. He's in the A's Hall of Fame, the Red Sox Hall of Fame, and, of course, the Baseball Hall of Fame. One of the greatest pitchers to have ever lived. Here is Dennis Eckersley. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's truly an all-time great, a World Series champion, a six-time All-Star, AL MVP, AL Cy Young Award. It just goes on and on. Two-time AL Rollades Relief Man of the Year you look at his stats, they're absolutely mind-blowing when you talk about having 197 wins and 390 saves. He's the great Dennis Eckersley, and he joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you, Eck? I'm doing good, man. Everything's good. Baseball's back. See what happens, huh? I mean, how crazy is this going to be? I mean, 60 games. This is going to be a, a sprint to the finish line. Yeah, I think to begin with, we're going to have to cross our fingers here. You know, I think this next couple of weeks, how it shakes out, you know, you see how um, the other sports guys are getting tested. So, you know, guys are going to come out. I don't know how many, but there's going to be some guys that, you know, come positive and you see where they go. But you're still excited. You know, I mean, all the fighting and bickering, we're finally going to get a chance to take a shot at this thing. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a goofy season, but to say the least. But, you know, baseball is better than no baseball. That's how I look at it. Man, you, you, you've been around this game your entire life. It's just like, like, why can't management and the Players Association, why can't they just come together and realize it's best to have unity versus fighting each other? They've been fighting each other forever. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've been on, I've been on the other side. You know, it starts with trust, you know, and the players just don't trust the owners, you know, right down to the fact that they don't believe how much they're making and they're sure not going to open those books anytime soon. So. You wish that they could see clearly, get some perspective like we all have, you know, that are fans of the game looking at it. But that's just not the way it is. I mean, you've got to be in the middle of all this stuff. You need the solidarity. You have to be strong. But this, with what has happened to this country and the COVID and all, I mean, this is not the time. It just made it look so ugly. But that can all be forgotten. You know, once you start playing, that's in the back burner until, until the next time, basically. So my producer asked me a question before you came on, which I think you're going to, you're the perfect guy to ask is what will it be like at the end of games for closers? And there's no fans. I mean, you're going out there just trying to close out the game, but that, you know, the adrenaline from the fans and, and people standing up and cheering won't be there. Oh, believe me, it's all about adrenaline. I mean, I, I personally, that's what I was all about. You know, I, I thought I pitched, better than I could possibly ever have pitched with no fans in the stands. I mean, it's like pitching an exhibition game. You just can't get your, the, you know, the, the blood flowing. 
I mean, I, I, you know, my whole act was based on, you know, uh, <laughs> adrenaline. It really was. So this is going to be tough. And I'll tell you what, you know, I do games with the Red Sox and, and Fedway Park is a home field advantage with people in the seat. Right. I mean, it's not the same. So there's a disadvantage to that all the way around. You know, the energy that they, that the fans bring for the home team is intense. It really is over the course of 162. So maybe it's a little different, but the players are going to have to try to find it somehow. Everybody's in the same boat, you know? I used to think, I mean, watching you warm up in the bullpen, and when you start going to the mound, people got juiced. <laughs> they got juiced yeah. to the mound. I was like, I'll tell you what. I thought I was throwing harder than I was throwing. I'll tell you what. You got to be a little careful. You know what I mean? You know, they play that bad to the bone stuff. <laughs> Next thing you know, you think you're throwing 100, and you better be careful. <laughs> you better not center it. But it still helps. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It still helps. Isn't it crazy how in in our modern game, it seems like every guy coming out of the bullpen, they all look the same. They're all throwing 100 miles an hour. Hell, we got guys now throwing 103. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll tell you what. How is this season going to look? Obviously, the pitching is going to be different, right? I mean, you're not going to rely on starting rotations, which you didn't anyway, but especially the shortened season. You're going to see guy after guy that – it might be they may not score as many runs. I, I'm not sure. I mean, will the will the game change because of urgency trying to score runs? Will you, will guys stop trying to leave Earth and hit the ball out of the ballpark? Right? You know, that might be a crucial run. You got to get the guy over, get him in. Might be a different brand of baseball. But you're going to see. It's always been like that. They got eight guys out there that can bring it. Can you imagine in this shortened season? If you lose like three or four games in a row, it's going to feel like death. Yes, that's that's what. So it makes it kind of exciting, right? Uh, the urgency of everything, every game, the importance of every game. But it's it's hard to create that energy when you know we're doing the games at the studio remotely. You know what I mean? It's hard to get all jazzed up uh, without all that. You know, so I don't know. I'll find a way to get it going, but uh, it's going to be different. I, and I like the urgency part of it. I really do. Yeah, your broadcast, we were talking to your old buddy, Ray Fossey, about this. Uh, your broadcast is going to be kind of similar to what you see with the Olympics because the majority of the Olympic broadcast for NBC is done here in the United States when it's wherever it is, right? So if it's going to be in Japan, there'll be some broadcasters there, but the majority of the people are here. So it's going to be weird in the way you guys are going to be doing this for the first time. Like you'll be in a studio and the Red Sox could be, who knows, taking on the Mets. It's going to be weird. I'll tell you what, this might be something that's in the future. I mean, you think, I mean, they may go more remotely uh, when teams are on the road. I mean, I don't know if it's a money thing, but still this could happen in the future. But meantime, trying to make, trying to get that once again you're trying to get that adrenaline in the booth you know baseball is hard enough to generate that kind of energy especially when you're removed from it like that it's going to be it's going to be trying but i think like anything you'll get used to it you know we've been celebrating your 1989 team and truly one of the great teams of all time and i i think about for you being a bay area kid who grew up a giants fan you know, your career, where you are in 1989, you're absolutely dominant. What was that like for you winning that World Series at Candlestick Park? Well, everything. And then you look back at it now, probably even greater looking back because that was the only one. You know, and that was coming off the 88 World Series, where, you know, the Gibson thing, which I, may, I felt like I cost us that World Series. So to be able to get the next year, I didn't have to grind on it so long, you know, just one year. And, and and to have the ball in my hand and touch first base, I mean, that to me, you know, helped me immensely. But looking back, I know how lucky I was to, for that moment. You know, he's a kid from Fremont, used to go to Candlestick Park, Giant fan. And the only World Series I win in 24 years is at Candlestick Park, last out, beautiful thing. 
And, and, and one of the things I've been talking about, because, you know, we still have a lot of younger fans who really didn't get to watch that team. But in 1989, you guys didn't have a weakness. You had starting pitching, you had bullpen, you had defense, you had power, you had speed. You had everything. There wasn't a weakness on this team. No, and what was overlooked, I think, and for me looking back, was the depth that we had. You know, you talk about everything that we had, but the depth that we had. You know, Conseco was out the first half of the season, and we didn't skip a beat offensively. And then I, I went out in May that year, and I missed like six, seven weeks. And the time I was gone, I think Honeycutt saved 12 games. So we, we didn't skip a beat. And the depth that we had, I mean, we could do it all, really. Defensive replacements late in the game. We could run. We could do, I mean, we could do it all. We could obviously Ricky. What a dimension that he brought when he came over in June. And starting location. Nobody ever skipped a start. Everybody had – they didn't miss a start. It's crazy. And a great bullpen. Can't forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> and let's be honest. That was, a, that was a really good San Francisco Giant team that you swept. Oh, absolutely. They beat the Cubs. I mean, they had Will the Thrill. I think they didn't have – clearly didn't have as good a pitching as we did. I mean, I think that was a huge difference. You know, Stu won a couple of games. Mike Moore, we only had to use two starters, think about it, because of the delay. But I think offensively they were they had a good ball club. But um, we came back after the delay 10 days and swung the bat as good as any time I saw. So – you know, you hate to say somebody's that much better than the other because it's all about, you know, the peak at the right time in the playoffs. We did, but I really believe we were so much better than they were. So we had Dave Stewart on our last show, and he told us a story that when you guys go back in Arizona, that it was really competitive. And he mentioned that you drilled Jose in the ribs, not on purpose, <laughs> but you would have hit Jose. Yeah, you know, I had to face like three, four, five in our lineup, the inning that I had to pitch, right? So when Hosey walks up to the plate, he's pointing to center field like he's going to take me deep, like he's Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I swear to God, everybody will say that I hit him on purpose. First pitch, I hit him right in the back. And he was like, he couldn't believe it. And, and he's like, going to charge the mound. It was crazy. <laughs> but to this day, I didn't mean to hit him, but I could act like Macho Man and said I, I did. But it was, it, was, it was something you wouldn't believe. How important was it for you guys to go to Arizona and, and keep that competitive edge? Well, the problem, as you, if you remember, is, you know, the Bay Area was like so solemn, to say the least. I mean, devastated. You know, it was just like 9-11 in a way. And we just decided to get out of town, you know, to change that. And it really helped. It just, you know, changed the place and, and went down to Phoenix and felt like, we, you know, we got it back together again. And it's just a new, more vigor when we came back. And I think that was the key. It really was. You know, when I look at your career stats, like I said, coming in, you know, Hall of Famer, I, it, what's so unique is the amount of wins and the amount of saves. Nobody else in the history of the game has that. When you look at 197 wins and 390 saves, when you think back on your 24-year career, what's the thought process when you think of, like, starting, relieving? No one's done it ever like you did it. But it, it, It's all timing. It's like timing with life. I mean, really, the right place, the right time, you make the most of it. And I came in at a time whether whether Tony created that one-inning save or whatever it was, you know, gave me – and the timing of my career, going from a starter to a reliever, I got sober. The timing was incredible from the time I got sober and going straight to the bullpen, you know, you're not going to save that many games back in the olden days. Cause you got to go two or three innings. I, you know, and I was getting older. I mean, the timing was perfect and I had a chip on my shoulder. I had something to prove. I was with a great club that you can't, you can't deny, you know, we were great for five years. Should have won at three. So the, I was, all the stars were lined up, man. And it was a blessing. And I took, I mean, I, you know, I didn't take it for granted, but I took it to the house, man. I took it, I ran with it. <laughs> Yo, and, 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 you know, Tony La Russa's in the Hall of Fame. And we only put managers in the Hall of Fame. 
And I think that's wrong because Dave Duncan is truly one of the great pitching coaches of all time. Look what he did with you. Look what he did with Dave Stewart. Look what he did in St. Louis. Give me the case why Dave Duncan should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, the the case is there. I mean, I I think it starts with uh, Dunk. There's a lot of guys. Because you, know, you ask Tony, LaRusso will tell you, Charlie Lau, remember Charlie Lau kind of changed the game with that batting, you know, uh, uh, the way he hit, he taught hitting. I mean, you go go back to a lot of coaches, but it's undeniable what Dave Duncan did with all those reclamation projects, you know, guys that pitched, they're almost done and ended up turning their careers around and all the success he's had with Tony. I mean, it's the time is, it's ripe to have, you know, voting for a coach every year, just like they do with a broadcaster or whatever, you know, have that a coach once a year, go to the hall of fame. And next thing you know, you're going to have guys that deserve to be there. Make it. Let's end on this with only 60 games. Are you going to be shocked by anybody getting into the playoffs? No, none. Especially when they, they may, you never know. They may still go back to those 16 games. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen in the next couple of weeks. I don't know. But anyway, if it is just 10 teams, I will not be shocked because every one of those teams has a run. I'll tell you what, you just can't start off 5 and 10. <laughs> That's <laughs> what you have to stay away from. <laughs> and we've been joking because the A's – you know, in the last 20 years, traditionally start out slow. It's almost like Bob Melvin has to have the speech. Hey, guys, act like you've been playing the last couple months, and uh, you need to get hot right out of the gate. Yeah, something to be said for the A's. Let me tell you something. That's that was best team around that had to have lost those one-game playoffs is, is an absolute crime. It's a shame. It really is because this is the team, to me, that is ready. They've been ready, you know, and you don't get these chances. I mean, they are primed to win the whole thing. Now, whether or not it's a 60-game season, I just hate to see what the A's have done and not, you know, had a chance to win the whole thing. Eck, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Be safe and uh, can't wait to see. I don't know when it will be because you guys are going to be playing on the East Coast, but good luck to the Red Sox. Have some great broadcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Great, great. Love talking to you. Thanks, man. Eck might be the coolest guy of all time. I love having him on the program. From one great pitcher to another. When you talk about a big game pitcher and you want the ball in his hands, that's Dave Stewart. A three-time World Series champion. World Series MVP in 1989. Two-time ALCS MVP. Roberto Clemente Award winner in 1990. And he's in the A's Hall of Fame. Here is the great Dave Stewart. Dave, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, Chris, how are you? Uh, we're doing wonderful. And I was just talking about your 1989 season, but I always like to tell our audience, three-time World Series champion and all-star, two-time ALCS MVP, World Series MVP, A's Hall of Famer, and, of course, I know <clears throat> me in 1990 winning the Roberto Clemente Award. How h- have you been? I've been doing okay, man. That's a lot of stuff that you just read off. <laughs> you know, you know, you had a pretty good career, Dave. <laughs> it sure did go fast. I, you know, we're looking back. I mean, it's it's hard to believe. Like, 1989 was a long time ago, but it really wasn't that long of a time. But man, we've been honoring your team, and you were the World Series MVP, and, and I think truly one of the great one of the greatest, most complete baseball teams of all time. You know what? We had a really good bunch of guys of that 89 team. Uh, actually, all of our teams, 88, 89, 90, 87, um, which was the beginning of it. It was our first 500, uh, first 500 season with uh, Tony La Russa. But, you know, we had some really, really good guys. But um, I must say the, the, the guys that I played with in 89 are, are guys that, um, I will probably remember, and most of them I'll keep friendships with uh, for the rest of my life. You know, one of my favorite stories about <clears throat> you, and we've talked about it on the show, you know, Sandy Koufax showing you the fork ball is one of the great stories. But also another great story about you is being the World Series MVP for your hometown team. I don't even know how many times that's actually happened in the history of baseball. 
Well, that's that's being in the right place at the right time, and um, somehow God decided that that was the place for me to be and um, gave me the strength to perform the way that I did. And the guys played tremendous played tremendous baseball um, behind me. We were they played great defense. Uh, the first game uh, and the second game, they scored plenty enough runs um, for me to win a baseball game. And then for me, you know, once you start scoring runs, it, it makes it easier to relax and just settle into what you're doing. So, you know, I don't know how many people have been been in a position to do that, but I, I feel grateful that, um, you know, I had the opportunity to, to have that happen in my lifetime in my hometown of Oakland. You know, I, I spoke with Dave uh, Dave Dravecki earlier today, and Dave was just talking about how terrifying the earthquake was. And for all of you guys to have family in the stands and, you know, he said he was living in Foster City at the time. And, you know, you don't have cell phones. You don't know how your kids are back home. Just what what was the earthquake like? What What you remember there at Candlestick Park? Well, I mean, for the first time in my life, I was glad that my family was late uh, because they were notoriously late to any game that I ever pitched in or played in for that matter. And so they were late and that put them in a position to not be able to get on the bridge at the time that it collapsed. Um, And so uh, when the actual quake happened, um, I was in the clubhouse, um, as memory serves me, with Ricky and, and Parker and then we were rushed out on the field uh, to be told that there was an earthquake. And, and once we were out there, we could see the light standards swaying back and forth. And you know, there's a sound of, of, of fear that is, that you'll never mistake. You can hear it, you know, in, in the seats the, with the families and police officers on the field and the fire department and, and highway patrolmen were on the field trying to usher um, the fans out of the stadium, and it was uh, it's a moment that you'll never forget. And how important was it that you guys went down to Arizona and continued, you know, working on playing games against each other and staying in baseball shape? <clears throat> well, once we knew that the games were going to be continued, um, I, I thought it was a, a great idea, a brilliant idea on Tony's part to get us in, in, in an atmosphere that um, we could concentrate on, on playing the game um, and competing and staying competitive, uh, both physically as well as mentally, because um, you can be physically ready to play, but if your, mental, if your mental aspect is no longer there, then it makes it very, very difficult to compete. Um, he brought us there. We played simulated games. We played against each other. And there's always what you call a sibling rivalry because we were like family. And, and so in these simulated games, we were literally competing against each other. Dennis Eckersley, uh, not that he intentionally did it, uh, came in on Conseco and hit him in the ribs. So it was a con- competitive, it was a competitive uh, atmosphere for us. God, your, your team had so many stars on it. I mean, you guys were like rock stars, you know, thinking about you couldn't enter through the front of the hotel. What, what was it like traveling with these guys? You know, the, 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 quite frankly, Hosey was, was the, he was the band leader. Everybody wanted to, to be around Hosey at that time. Um, but, I mean, we did. I mean, Ricky Henderson, um, who, you know, is a Hall of Famer now, and Dennis is a Hall of Famer. Um, Dave Parker was a one-man show, quite frankly, a comedian and, and charmer and great teammate, family man. I mean, anything you can ask, uh, when when we realized, at least for me, when I realized how good we were um, as a team, it didn't necessarily happen at the hotels. It, it happened at the ballpark. Um, people get to the ballparks to watch us take batting practice. And at that time, you know, we would take infield practice and take ground balls. And, and when you've got the other team sitting in their dugout, literally, and I mean, if there's 25 guys on the team, when you've got 15, 16 guys sitting on the bench, watching your team do their work, take infield and do, do ground balls. And you, you have your batting practices watching our, our guys do their bullpens. Um, you know that you've made a mark in the game. 
And you got I me, mean, my God, he had a bunch <clears> of guys that looked like linebackers and defensive ends on that team. <laughs> well, um, one thing we did do is, you know, we kept ourselves in shape. I know my, my workout regiment was, was really, really uh, well organized. I worked out at that time with a martial arts guy that also worked with our team in spring training, Mac Newton. Um, and Dave Henderson was a was a big man. Dave Parker has always been a big man. Carney Lansford kept himself in shape, not to mention Jose and, and McGuire. So we were a, a, a really good sized team. Let's put it like this: we weren't running from the fight. <laughs> no, you guys weren't. And, and, and you know, you start. You know, obviously the earthquake changed everything. You start game one, but then you start game three. And that's obviously something that's that's never going to happen again. But what was that light starting game one and then getting the ball in game three? Well, game one, um, you know, I was, you know, really excited about uh, about that game and, and Tony giving me the opportunity to start that game. Um, all I've ever wanted to do for um, the team and my teammates was to give us the best opportunity to win and, and give us the best foot forward. And so, you know, my focus was on um, pitching, pitching well, and giving us an opportunity to win a game. Then, you know, we had the ten days uh, in between games, and um, I was actually surprised in that one that Tony said, "Hey, we're we're going to just go right back with game one and game two starters," um, because you know Bobby Welch had pitched well that year, Storm Davis had pitched well. I think Bobby had 17 wins that year. And Storm Davis had 19, and so I was I was kind of surprised, but um, at the same time glad because you know after 10 days, even though we had done the simulated games and then bullpens, that would have been quite a stretch for me to be uh, off the mound. And so I was glad he came back with it, and you know fortunately that pitched well. And obviously there's a rivalry. It's it's two teams that play in the same area. They had some great players. We had Will Clark on our last show. Uh, you know, Kevin Mitchell and our buddy Matt Williams, who was just under Bob Melvin's staff. I mean, they had a lot of firepower. They had a very good team, but you swept them. How great was it just to sweep them? No, we, we played them well. Um, starting in spring training, we played them very, very well. Um, we had just come off of the 88 season and losing in the World Series to uh, the Dodgers, and that was totally unexpected. And Quite frankly, it was painful um, starting from the first game, and so you know we made a we made a promise to ourselves uh, that when we came back in that '89 season, we were going to do everything that we could uh, to play up to the level uh, that we were as a baseball team, and so it started in spring training with Tony um, um, letting us know that this is how he wanted things done and this is how we were going to do things and. And then we, we followed his cue and, um, you know, playing the Giants in spring training, we beat them a lot. Um, and we faced them just before spring training ended. And, and they um, had a, a pretty healthy lead off of us. Uh, and I believe it was to the tune of nine to one going into the late innings. And we ended up coming back to win that game. And so we felt that we would play them well. And we felt that we had the edge on them uh, based on how we played them in spring training. How key was it, Tony Larusa, the way he managed people and he managed the egos? How key was that for this team? Well, that may be the biggest thing that he did, and you know, he he'll always say that he was a push button manager, just make the lineup and then let the players play. But um, that is that is far from the truth um it is difficult when you have the personalities when you got ricky you've got a canseco um when you've got parker you've got Eck, you've got myself dave henderson we're all a part of it i wouldn't say that we're big ego guys but um tony had a system that i thought worked well um and we had the depth on our bench for him to be able to do it you know, when you're giving guys a day off and explaining to them why you're giving them a day off and everybody wants to play every day. And so, and, and guys can, can stick their chest out, you know, when they, when, when Tony comes to them a day before and says, Hey, you're not playing tomorrow. Or if somebody gets hurt and you've given them a day off to be able to manage that guy that now is expecting the day off. And all of a sudden he's got to play because somebody's gotten hurt and they can't play. 
so mixing and maneuvering that around and that's not that's not the only part of it i mean it's it's also keeping guys ready to play and knowing what buttons to push um and when to push it um to to keep guys alert and keep them ready and keep them motivated during the course of the year and he was the best at that well, I, I know how special it was to get Ricky Henderson back for your ball club and also you because of your great relationship with him. And then I think years later, you both end up in Toronto and win another World Series. Well, I, I got to tell you, um, you know, we were, we were, we go back to Babe Ruth baseball um, in the Bay competing against each other mostly. And, and then, um, you know, we played against each other through the minor leagues. Um, and then having the opportunity to to reunite and play together in Oakland was, I mean, for, for me, uh, I was very excited about that. Ricky Young, um, you knew that he was going to be something special in whichever the two sports that he decided to play, whether it was going to be football or whether it was going to be baseball, you knew it was going to be something special. Um, and now by 89, you can see that he's having a Hall of Fame type career. And um, it, for me, was a, it was a privilege to play with him. But even more importantly, it's like watching a highlight every day when he's on the baseball field, watching the things that he would do, listening to him talk about the things that he would do and, and, and go out and get those things done. And so having an opportunity to play with him again in Toronto when, we, when we're making another run for another ring, um, I thought was even that much more special. And Pat Gillick uh, came to me at the time and asked me my thoughts on Ricky and what kind of a teammate he would be. And obviously I gave him um, as high a, a grade as you can give a player. And then shortly after we, we, we got him and um, he was impactful with our team as well there. Yeah. You had four hall of famers on that team. And I think it's uh, one of the great home runs of all time, the walk-off home run by Joe Carter. And Joe Carter should be a Hall of Famer as well. Um, I thought for sure in last year's ballot he was going to go in um, under the Veterans Committee. I mean, when you've driven in 100 runs as many times as he has uh, through his career, and you watch his work ethic and you see how he goes about the game and how he plays the game and what kind of teammate he is, which is the most important thing to me. I've had some very talented teammates um that weren't good teammates. Joe Carter was a great teammate, cared about his players, shared his knowledge, anything that he would pick up on the field, um, he would give to his teammates. And that's what made that team a good team. Robbie Alomar, Paul Olerud, Jack Morris. I mean, we, we had some great guys on that team and, and that's what it takes to win. Um, similar to our 88, 89 and 90 teams. Um, we had great guys, great guys that were motivated and had the same goals. Let's let's end on this. One of the, one of the things I always like talking about about your career is that you've done basically everything in the game. You've run a franchise. You've, you've been a pitching coach. <laughs> you're a great player. Um, so with all that knowledge about the game, what do you think a sixty game season is going to be like for all for for everybody involved? Well, what I can tell you is, if you don't get out of the gate, you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Um, a 60-game schedule is not a marathon; it's a sprint, and, and so you've got to come out the gate, out of the gate, prepared and ready to play. You know, hopefully the the pitchers have been getting their work in, and the hitters have somehow found a way to to see some live batting, some live pitching um, through the periods that they've been off, and then you're going to get about a two or three week period before you start games. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's. I'm kind of excited to see how this thing works out. Um, but uh, 60 games, um, in my opinion, is no indication of what a season should be. But under the circumstances, I'm glad that baseball is back. No doubt about it. It's always an honor to have you on the program. Be well, be safe, and hopefully we'll get to see each other at some point during this season. Without a doubt. Thanks for having me on. And now we have Dave's battery mate. Terry Steinbach, love having him on. He's such a such a nice guy. A three-time All-Star, a World Series champion. Here is the catcher of that great team in 1989, Terry Steinbach from Minnesota. 
Well, it's always great to have him back on the program. He's a World Series champion. He's a three-time All-Star. He's an All-Star of the uh, MVP of the All-Star game. The great Terry Steinbach is back with us here on Ace Cast Live. How are you in Minnesota? Doing great here in Minnesota. Thanks for having me. Thanks for talking about something fun, baseball. You know, we haven't had that in quite a while. No, and it's and, and it's and it, you know it was great when we went over the seventies teams, you know those seventy two, seventy three, seventy four, and that was awesome. But I I was born in nineteen seventy two, so I never I never got to see that. <laughs> now you guys in nineteen eighty nine, you guys were rock stars. I mean, I, I know we just did the last dance with Michael Jordan, and we look how big the Bulls were. But that's what you guys were like in 1989. I mean, you had you couldn't go into the front door. You had paparazzi. You had the whole deal. You guys were truly rock stars. You know, it's one of those things. Yes, we did. Um, and at the time of doing it, you know, we really didn't consider ourselves, you know, rock stars. I mean, we were just doing what we like to do, you know, playing ball, going out, going to a restaurant, having dinner, obviously signing some autographs, doing some things, you know, and it wasn't until, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 years later, do you realize, you know, some of the accomplishments and some of the great things that that group of players did during those years. You know, when I look back watching, you know, those years and I know talking, you know, Tony La Russa said, you know, I, I, one of the things I'm not happy about is we only won one, but you did win one. All you got to do is win one to be a world champion. I think in 1989, and once you added Ricky Henderson, and we actually talked to Carney Lansford about this recently, it's like you didn't have any weaknesses, and that's why I think this team, 1989, is truly one of the greatest teams of all time. I can di- distinctly remember that. I think we were right before the All-Star break, and, uh, you know, there was chatter going amongst the players. And, you know, came down from Sandy Alderson to La Russa, you know, what they were trying to, you know, figure out about picking up Ricky. And I know Tony talked to some of the veteran players, shared it, you know, some of us younger folks, hey, what do you think about getting Ricky? And I'm, you know, being a catcher, trying to throw Ricky out. It's like, oh, hell yeah, I'll take Ricky anytime, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was it was extremely exciting for us, and, uh, you know, it was like two or threefold. You know, it, it, it showed the players, number one, that, that the organization wasn't afraid to try to do something to give us the best chance to win. Number two, it kind of put the pressure on us. Like, hey, look, the front office is doing their part. Let's do our part. You know, we got to go out there and win this thing. You know, and with with the addition of, 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 of Ricky and, you know, I bet even, even Tony, you know, there had to be some pressure on him as well. Thank God, you know, we did everything we got. You know, we're getting the players they want. We're doing the things we need to do. The only thing that's left to do is go out and win. And so, you know, adding Ricky at that time, I, I mean, was just a giant, giant shot in the arm, just a boost, you know, for our ball club at that particular moment. How much was the disappointment of not beating the Dodgers in 1988 when you were favored? You clearly, if you matched up the rosters, were a better team. How much did that play into you guys winning in 89? It was a huge disappointment, and, and and I know some of my teammates might disagree with my comment here, but you know what? In, in 88, the Dodgers beat us. I mean, I still think we were a better team, but you know what? They, they, they beat us hands down. I mean, everything they tried worked, you know, from getting runs to, to whatever. You know, you know, it worked for them. So we stewed on that all offseason of 88, and, and I distinctly remember going into spring training of 89. I think we had, like, out of our, our, our 25-man roster, 24-man roster, I think we had one spot, you know, one middle relief pitching position was open. And I, I just distinctly remember the the determination, the the bitterness, the uh, as, as the late Dave Henderson, you know, would say, stewing on that loss in, in, in 88. We couldn't wait to get the spring training in 89 because we felt that we had something to prove. I mean, you know, we had a good year in 88. We felt, you know, potentially, you know, we should have won that World Series. We didn't. But we felt we had something to prove in 89. And, and that that the determination and tenacity that that group of guys had from, from the first day of spring training all the way to game four of the World Series was, was something that, that, that I distinctly remember that those that group of players had. And talk about your pitching staff, because your pitching staff w- was so good. It was terrific. The pitching staff was phenomenal. I mean, I had the pleasure, you know, of catching those guys. Uh, you know, Dave Stewart, Mike Moore, Ron Hassey was catching Bobby Welch, you know, that, that year. And then, you, you know, uh, Rick Honeycutt, specialty out of the bullpen. Geno Nelson, you know, right-handed specialty guy. 
all we got to do is get to X. I mean, uh, I can remember talking to other teams, you know, players on, on other teams and the comments that they made is like, man, if you guys are winning the seventh thing, forget it. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> over. We got, we basically got no chance to come back and beat you guys. And you, you, you're back then you're one of the biggest, I mean, talk about size. It's, it's like you had a bunch of linebackers and defensive ends on your team. You were truly one of the biggest teams we had ever seen. We were, I mean, uh, you know, Dave McKay was our was our strength coach. You know, kind of through the air, and and that's when you know players started started lifting weights. Uh, you know, it used to be, you know, oh, players can't lift. You don't want to get bulky. You don't want to get tight. You know, all that. And I think that was proven wrong that we had uh, uh, active people bettering themselves from the starting rotation to our our closer act to to you name it. Everybody was was taking their turn in in the weight room. You know, with with Dave McKay and, and, and doing what we needed to do to, to, to give ourselves a better chance to win. Yeah. Well, like you were a small guy, you were six, one, like 200 pounds. <laughs> yeah. But when you stack me up against Conseco McGuire, I, that's, that's, I looked that big, you know, next to those two guys. <laughs> you know, did, did you get a chance to watch that long gone summer, the documentary of uh, the home run race in 1998? I have it recorded. Uh, my wife and I haven't had the chance to watch it yet, but the story that I remember that just completely uh, gave the significance of, of what was happening, I was with the Twins, and we're playing the Angels in, in, in Anaheim, and every time that Conseco, I mean, every time that McGuire got up to bat, they showed it on Diamond Vision at, uh, at Anaheim Stadium. And, I mean, it was like game, game time was like 7.05. It, it was like like 658 and they're still showing that i mean and everybody both teams who were getting ready to play the game you know going out in center field you know stretching and running and doing this everybody stopped both teams stopped the stadium stopped it was dead silence until max the bat was over whether he hit a home home run or not but it was at that point that you know a, a current player you know in that era got to step back and say wow look at the significance of Sosa and, and McGuire battling this, this this home run challenge out and the impact that it had on the game and the impact that it had on all the people, all the baseball fans throughout the country that that were watching this chase. I, you know, it's so fascinating that you say that because, you know, as I mean, it was the really the start of my career. It was right around the start. I've been in the I've been doing the media for probably about two years at that point. And, you know, the first time ever where we saw red velvet ropes around the batting cage to keep people away, you know, letting people in to see batting practice, to watch Mark McGuire, you know, watch him hit. You know, I remember right before he left Oakland, I mean, he looked like a defensive end. He was a monster at that point. But if there was anybody that you thought could do it, it was him. But I love you. I love your take on it that as fascinated as we were as non-players, you guys were as fascinated as we were as, as what Sosa McGuire and throwing King Griffey, what he was doing. Absolutely. You know, and, and let's face it, I think that the, the, the challenge that those two throw in junior as, as well, you know, the, what, what they were doing to the game of baseball resurrected the game. I mean, put, put the game back, I don't know, in, in the spotlight, got people back interested in, you know, getting up in the morning and, and, and rushing to, turn on, you know, sports center or, or something to see what happened, you know, the night before to, to, to see what these two guys were doing. And it really, you know, sparked the interest again in an era that I think, uh, you know, baseball was potentially getting a little bit stagnant, you know, that, yeah, you know, why watch a game? I'm going to go do, I'm going to go do something else. And when those two guys did what they did that year, it, it definitely uh, uh, made uh, a, a big part of, of the, of the country interested in baseball again. You know, one of the things I've always wanted to ask you is it's not always easy to go back home and play. And obviously you're a gopher. You went to the uh, University of Minnesota. What was it like for you to go back and play for the Twins? Um, I think it's something that uh, later in my career or maybe later in anybody's career, I think is something that's feasible to do, meaning that, you know, you've been around the game a little bit. The the pressures of playing at home are, are kind of gone because, you know, people have, have seen you for maybe six, seven, eight, nine years on a different team come back to Minnesota to play. So um, that part of it was, was manageable. 
uh, you know, the frustrating thing I think that any player would say is, is I wish that we had a little bit more talent on those three years that I played at Minnesota, you know, and back then it was no secret, you know, Carl, uh, Paul as the owner back then, you know, uh, was very budget conscious and, uh, the twins were one of the teams that, you know, during that era that were, you know, towards the bottom of, of the budget. And, and, you know, that's fine. You know, we kind of knew that going in, but it still doesn't make it any easier, you know, for any player to, to be playing on a team where, you know, you're, 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 you're struggling, you know, you really can't get that, that marquee player or two or, or, or a couple pitchers to, to get you in that um, competitive era. So, um, yes, it was fun going home, completely enjoyed it. It was the right thing to do for, you know, me as a player, also for my kids, my kids at the ages that they were at, um, you know, with their, with their schools, with their sports, with their friends, you know, they could get involved in that while yet I could still continue to, you know, pursue my baseball career. Let's end on this. I've been asking everybody, what have you been doing a deep dive in? You know, some people it's Netflix or it's Hulu or reading books or puzzles <laughs> or games. Up at the lake house, what have you guys been getting into? Well, prior to it getting nice out, when it was when COVID first hit, man, we crushed Ozarks. I mean, I would recommend that to anybody on on, on, on Netflix. That I don't want to ruin it for everybody who hasn't watched, but you know, season three, do not blink the last three seconds of how that how that series ends for season three. That was our, our, our go to deal and man, we we are we're, we're you know all into it and, and, and hoping that they come out with an Ozarks for. Well, Terry, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We totally appreciate it. And uh, it's a lot of fun as we're going through 1989 where, you know, you, you, you end up beating the Toronto Blue Jays. And of course uh, the world series and the earthquake made it a, a bizarre time, but uh, what a great team 1989 was. You guys are truly one of the best of all time. Thanks. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for giving us the time to reflect. And I know it's uh you know, very, very special moment, you know, of, of my career, you know, of, of my life, of, of my wife's life, of our kids' life, you know, to be able to have uh, uh, participated in, in that, want it, you know, to be able to proudly, you know, wear that World Series ring and, and, and you know, more importantly, the, the, the reunions that we have to, to, to get together with everybody, you know, the players and, and do a two or three night discussion uh, amongst ourselves of what we just did in 10 minutes on the phone. Great stuff. Be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, sounds good. You guys do the same. So we go from Minnesota to Colorado. You know, Walt Weiss, when he started his career, man, every year was going to the World Series. Came up in 88, and he was Rookie of the Year. Went to the World Series his first three years in the big leagues. Is that any good? Walt Weiss, now a coach for the Atlanta Braves, joined me on Ace Cast Live. Well, it's great to have him back on the program. Walt, how are you doing there in Denver? I'm doing well, doing well. You know, uh, it's nice things are starting to pick up here. Uh, it's an exciting time, especially after what we've been through the last uh, several months. So uh, hopefully we get some baseball going and we get back to doing what we love to do. Yeah, and, you know, before we start talking about 1989 and the great team you were on and, the, and your World Series championship, uh, you know, we've had Wash on the program, I, I think for 60 games still with, with all that talent there in Atlanta, you guys got to be really excited. No, we are. I, I think, uh, the thought, the feeling is amongst the team, regardless of what type of schedule we play, you know, we, we have a talented team. I think we're, we're built for whatever is thrown at us. Um, you know, that being said, there's going to be some unique challenges to the season, obviously, not only for us, but for everybody. We'll have to, yeah, I think there'll be some some trial and error, Chris, as, as, as we move along here with everybody trying to figure some things out and work our way through uh, a different type of season. But, uh, no, I agree with you. We, 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 it's a good time to be a Brave. Uh, we've got a young, talented team. We've got some, some great veteran players that have uh, have, have a proven track record. Uh, got some young arms coming along, so it's it, it's a good time to be there. Do you have the feeling that these games are going to feel like playoff games because you just you can't lose? There's only sixty games. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not too sure. I mean, yeah, I think when you look at it uh, from from this vantage point before we've gotten a chance to get started, it seems that way. I just don't know what to expect um, once we get rolling here. I, I think. 
you know, maybe we get rolling. It's business as usual. But I, I think you're right. I think regardless, there's going to be some sense of urgency with, with, with this short schedule. You know, you, you, you can't afford a, a rough week. You know, you can't, uh, you can't afford to lose uh, seven out of nine or something like that. You know, you, you might, you, 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 your season might be over as far as your playoff hopes, but you know, I think I think uh, once we get back to to playing and we get out there, it's 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 going to be business as usual. But I I do think uh, hanging over your head, there's there's going to be that that sense of urgency that maybe isn't always there over the course of 162. You know, looking back on your career, you know, I I think uh, since we've been doing a deep dive on history, you think about you know certain Yankees like. Ruth and Gehrig, they were always in the World Series. Or Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle played in 12 World Series. But for you as a modern-day guy, you come up in 1988. You're the rookie of the year. Your first three years in the big leagues, you're in the World Series. you you, you got to be thinking, wow, this just happens every year. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that, that changed quickly. You, you get a dose of reality if, uh, you know, you stick around a little bit. But – uh, yeah, at, at the time, you know, expectations were so high with our club, um, and we expected to be playing in October every year, uh, and we did. For the first three, we went all the way to World Series. Unfortunately, uh, two out of three didn't didn't turn out the way we wanted. But um, no, you're right. I mean, early on, I, I certainly got spoiled with with what was going on in Oakland. Um, you know, and unfortunately, throughout my career, I, I ended up. Uh, Playing in a lot of postseasons, a lot of big games. You know, I played another World Series in Atlanta um, as a coach in Colorado. Play was, was, was part of that 2007 World Series, so I, I was fortunate enough to be, um, you know, on that stage uh, throughout my career in some capacity. Yeah, I, I got to think as a young guy, you show up, and I mean, we've talked to Stu, we've talked to Eck, we've talked to Mark McGuire. I mean, that 1989 team and really that run of three years, you guys, it was like a rock. It was like you guys were rock stars. I mean, the the, the, <laughs> the stardom that was around this team and you're a young player. What was that like? Yeah, again, uh, didn't have a lot of perspective back then. Just kind of thought it was normal. But when I look back, <laughs> it really was like, like it really was like a traveling rock show. I mean, um, uh, to this day, I've never seen anything like it uh, as, as far as when we, we travel and get into a city and, 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 uh, lobbies of hotels would be overflowing with people just trying to get a look at, you know, Jose and Mac and Eck and Stu and all, all the, all the uh, personalities we had. I've never seen anything like that since then. Um, like I said, it was our normal back then, but, um, it really was a unique group. Um, I think you, you combine the talent with the personalities, uh, and, and it really was a special group. Um, and like I said, I didn't have that kind of perspective as, as a kid. But looking back on it, it really, it really was a, a, a pretty unique time. Like you fast forward to today, to today and like last season, and I do some trips with the A's. We can walk through the lobby and no one has a clue even who we are compared to what mm-hmm. you guys went through. I mean, that's it. I mean, you talk about a complete difference. It's unreal. It really, it really is. Um, you know, it, it even seems weird when I think back, I'm like, did that really, was it really like that? And it was, I mean, we'd show up. It didn't matter if it was two in the morning, we'd have to, a lot of times we'd have to go through the service. They take us through the service elevators. Cause we couldn't get to the, the elevators in the lobby because it was overflowing with fans. Uh, waiting on us um i said that was pretty routine having to get to our rooms through the through the service elevator or some trap door or um and like i said i i i never i've never seen anything like that since you know i i look back on that team and it basically has no weaknesses you got starting pitching this is the start of the modern day bullpen uh, you think about power, you think about speed, you know, Ricky Henderson comes back. And, and, and of course, you guys played excellent defense. I, I, just talk about how what a complete this is one of the most complete teams ever in the history of the game. 
I, I agree with you. You know, I think um, we probably don't get our due because we lost two of those World Series, which I understand. You got you got to win it all to be considered with the the great teams. But I got to tell you, Chris, that that '89 team was, was, was something else. I mean, when Ricky came over, um, I think it was about the about the All Star break or a little bit after. Um, it changed everything. We were already really good, but Ricky brought another element. He took us to another level. And that, that team in 89, um, by the time we got to October, we were rolling, man. I mean, we, we, we were, I felt like we were unbeatable and we, we, we all felt that way. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the world series got interrupted by the earthquake. Um, but even that couldn't stop us. I mean, we, 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 I think we were off nine or 10 days. And after that, we picked up where we left off and we ended up sweeping the Giants. That, that 89 team, uh, that, that's, the, that's the best team by far I've ever been a part of. Yeah, we got to talk to Stu yesterday about uh, just the craziness of starting game one and starting game three. It's probably something we'll never <laughs> see again. Uh, I'm sure you had family in the stands. Just how scary was that earthquake when you went through that at Candlestick Park? Yeah, no, it, it was crazy. You know, you, you got to remember, it, it's a different point in time. Uh, information didn't travel like it does now. And you, and so, you know, you, you talk, talk to kids today and they probably don't understand uh, how strange it was. It, 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 I tell people, we didn't know it was an earthquake. We were out there warming up and getting, uh, doing our sprints in the outfield. We had no idea it was an earthquake probably till 20 minutes later um, when word of mouth uh, started to get around. And uh, it, the whole thing was just surreal. We and we didn't really know the magnitude of it uh, for a while either. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're 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 like, let's go, let's get this game going. And, you know, after they delayed it for a little bit, and then they came up, they they came over to PA and and canceled the game. And we we're like, oh, this is this this is you know worse than we thought. And then it was just chaos. You know, trying to get back to the Oakland Coliseum. That's one of the things I remember the most. That bus ride back from Candlestick to to the Coliseum. It took about four hours, um, and it, on the on the freeways, it was just chaos. There was cars going the wrong way. Everyone was just trying to get home, and nobody knew what was ahead. They didn't know if, if roads were torn up, if what bridges were down. Of course, all the bridges were closed at that point, but you just didn't know what was ahead on, on, on the road. And like I said, we had no way of knowing back then. Um, so it was that's that that was one of the stranger experiences of my life uh, that 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 bus trip from Candlestick to to Oakland. Yeah, we talked to Dave Dravecki also, and he was living in Foster City, and it took him a couple hours to get home when normally it would take him fifteen minutes. And the thing, you guys came all the way down to San Jose, correct, and then back up. Correct, because uh, the San Mateo Bridge was 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 shut down because nobody knew the extent of the damage to to the bridges. So. We had to go all the way down the peninsula and up the other side. Like I said, it took about four hours. Um, and, and and during this time, you're not communicating with anybody. Uh, like my family, I, I still didn't know. I wasn't. I was a young kid at the time. I wasn't married yet, but I was engaged and and had no way to communicate. Um, you know, and I was actually living. Ironically, I was actually living down towards San Jose that year. And so once I got back to the uh, Coliseum. I had to get, hop in my car and drive back down to towards San Jose, and 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 you know it was several hours later before I I communicated uh, with any family because all the phone lines were down, and of course there no cell phones or anything like that. So it was, uh, you know, I'll never forget it. You know, I, I still remember it very well. I, I, I vivid vivid memories of uh, of that whole ordeal that day. And let's not forget this: that was a very good San Francisco Giant team. You know, Will Clark, who we, who we had on, and he had so much respect for you guys. We talked to Will this week also, but you think Kevin Mitchell, Matt Williams. I mean, you, you swept a really good team. They were a really good team. Um, I want to say Scotty Gerelt, I think, through game one. I, 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 wanna, I think he, he might have led the National League in ERA or, or close to it. Yeah, they, they had a really good team. I just think that at that point in time, you know, we, we were unstoppable. I don't think it mattered who lined up against us. We, we, we had an axe to grind because of what happened in 88. Uh, I remember, still remember the first uh, day of spring training when we had our meeting with, with, with Tony LaRussa. 
you know, he's getting in, the, in front of the club for the first time that year. And, and he wanted to make sure we, we didn't forget in about 88 and how this, this season we, we were going to be on a mission to get back and, and, and take care of business like we didn't the year before. So we, we, were, we were truly on a mission all year. And then, like you said, bring Ricky over and we went to another level. And by, by the end of that season, it was a well-oiled machine. Walt, we always appreciate having you on the program. Good luck this year with your Atlanta Braves. We know how talented you guys are. And um, uh, obviously, you're going to stay there in the East, so we won't see you. But we'd love to have you back on the program during the year and check in on you guys because, you know, you, you, you guys are going to have a chance. You, you got as good a chance as anybody to win the World Series this year. I think so, you know, but I think uh, with this with this format, Chris, is, I bet there's a lot of teams saying that, and for good reason. So, um, but I appreciate that. Always enjoy uh, when you know whenever I get a chance to get to roll back through Oakland. Uh, a lot of great memories there, and and uh, always good to get back there. Hopefully, at some point, uh, be able to do that. Take care, Walt. All right, Chris. Thank you. A lot of fun reminiscing about one of the great teams of all time, the 1989 Oakland Athletics. We thank Dennis Eckersley, Dave Stewart, Terry Steinbach, and Walt Weiss. Now back to A's cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.